Welcome to Stylus Soul Tribe Conversations. I'm your host, Lisa Huff. Over the last five years, I've coached hundreds of hairstylists and beauty industry professionals, helping them work their dream schedules exclusively with their dream clientele and earn their dream income, all while fostering genuine connections and lifelong friendships inside the beauty industry. In this podcast, we dive deep into abundance, manifestation, business building strategies, and creating a life that you are truly proud of, both behind the chair and at home. Are you ready to embark on a journey of personal growth, success, and sisterhood? Then hit that subscribe button now and get ready to experience the pure magic of Stylus Soul Tribe Conversations. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Stylus Soul Tribe Conversations. I am here with a longtime SST member, Courtney Brown. According to Court's bio, she was born with a sense of humor of a 14-year-old boy. She's a career hairstylist and salon owner whose love language includes French fries and sarcasm has led her to an arsenal of very specialized skills that have been combined and optimized for the greater good. Now the face of Good Richard Media, a company capitalizing on our common and shared weaknesses in social media and business to hand feed you monthly content and solutions in a fun, cheeky way so you can focus on what's important to you. You are a good copywriter, Miss Courtney Brown. I hope you know I that. really am. Like, as you're reading it, like... You're like, Lisa, did you come up with that? Oh, no, wait, I came up with that. How are you doing today, friend? Yeah, we were chatting a little bit before we got on here and Courtney was feeling a little bit nervous. So we're getting into it. How does it feel? How are you doing? Well, I'm still having like a personal summer, but I think it's mildly, like (laughs) maybe moderately unrelated. So I don't know. Okay, but all in all, all in all, we're doing good. Okay, amazing. So I've known you for how many years now? You've been in Soul Tribe for a long time. I don't even remember. Yeah. I mean, I think it's at least like maybe like end of 2018, 2019 or something. Cause it was definitely pre-COVID. And I was yeah. in there for a while. And I know I, I launched Soul Tribe end of 2018. And you weren't one of the OG original members, but you were very shortly after. So Courtney yeah. and I have known each other for a long, long, long time. So I would love, I obviously know a lot of your story and I may interrupt and chime in when I think it's appropriate, but I would love for you to just kind of tell your story of like who you are, talk about, you know, the salon, how everything has been created into obviously your big magic idea and all of those things. Just start telling the story. I'd love, I'd love for you to share that with people. Okay. So I don't even really know where to start. Once upon a time. (laughs) Um, So I was not one of those girls that was like, I'm going to do hair and this is going to be amazing. Uh, I think I have always dabbled and enjoyed like beauty and makeup and hair, but I had been in a super abusive relationship where I was, you know, like family members didn't have any trust for me. I didn't have any friends because that's like Mm. abuser 101 is like alienate and all of that. So I had finally broken up with that guy and I I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like, well, I didn't exactly have the grades to go to college or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I enrolled. In what, a- what age were you and what year was this? So I was, I don't know what year it was. It was okay. Not, not my thing, That's but fine. I think I was 20 okay. when I went to beauty school. Young so adult. not far off. Yeah. But- So I like enrolled in beauty school and it was like the scariest thing that I had done just because, you know, like 
just not knowing what to expect and not knowing anyone there. It's like so abstract that you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, I had a really cool beauty school career. I like set a record at my school that was previously held by a couple. What was the record? Raised the most money for a charity. It was like, they called it Marathon Day and it was held by a husband and wife previously. Okay. And I crushed it. Like, and I told the director of the school that she's I not competitive to- at all. That's not the highlight of her beauty school <laughs> no, at all. <laughs> no. um, but I told the director of the school that I wanted like a big Charlotte's Web Wilbur pig ribbon when I crushed Love. that ball. Yeah. <laughs> My mom has it in like a big shadow box. It's like this long Amazing. and huge. Amazing. So I did that and I had jo- a job before, like several months before I graduated and stuff. And it was like, I guess it was really just where I kind of got my feet back under me I was making conscious decisions Mm. of like who I wanted to be yeah I still didn't necessarily know where I wanted to go because also too like leading to salon ownership that had also not been on my radar Mm -hmm. Uh, but the opportunity presented itself and how far into your career did that present itself eight years so the first year and a half I worked for like Regis and JCPenney salons And then I went independent. Okay. And then I worked at the salon that I now own. I worked there for, I don't know, four-ish years before she wanted to sell. Okay. And then she said that she wanted to sell and she was asking internally first and Mm. no one else was um, like grabbing it or anything and like, I put together a business plan and I went to my dad because my dad mm. was working in Iraq at that point. Wow. Um, and I went to my dad and I was like, I've never done this before. And, you know, like, I, I don't know if I necessarily want to do it now, but to that point too, I had been married for a while. I had just had my second baby. I think Cambria was a year old at that wow. point. And so like taking on a salon as, an owner was probably the last thing that I needed to do, but he gave me the, the down payment or like the, the earnest money on the down payment. Amazing. Yeah. And that was in retro. Well, it took four minutes of looking back after I Mm -hmm. had done that. That was like one of the darkest periods of my life. Okay. Tell me more. Why? Because I was their peer for a long time. Mm. And, you so know, this is the transition of going from coworker to I'm the owner and everything else has stayed the same, but now I'm in this position. Yeah. And some people like, you know, everyone has opinions, right? They're like assholes. For sure. Um, so I got along with everyone. Like I wouldn't say that we like hung out outside yeah. of work or whatever, but we had very warm relationships. Totally. Um, but it is like this weird shift where you get into this position and there's this fear too, that you're going to just completely gut the place or mm-hmm. restructure the business or something. And I was really intentional when I took it over that any changes that I did make, I was going to bide my time to do it just mm-hmm. because I, I didn't want I didn't want to, one, I needed all the renters. So I didn't, didn't need want to lose the team. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also too, like, I just didn't want to be gross like that. Like no. I had been in positions before where like ownership or management had changed and mm-hmm. they just come in with like guns blazing and mm-hmm. 
it just gets growth real fast. But like, there's not really anyone just with the culture of salon ownership. There's not really anyone that you can confide in on Mm -hmm. that level either. So you're just like at the end of the day after working behind the chair and this laundry list of stuff, because as much as they didn't want change to affect them, Mm-hmm. They had all these requests. That, of course. You know, mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I want if to. If it's there, it- and this isn't speaking to your people in case I've ever listened to this, this is just, you hear the owner struggle as a whole. If it's their idea, then change everything you want. If it's not their idea, don't do anything. Cause, right. Because you're the owner, right? Yeah. And for, and some of the stuff was for years, they had just, we all had just accepted whatever, mm-hmm. like salon ownership is hard. We've never done it, but like, you know we were respectful and appreciative of the previous owner and stuff. Yeah. So then to have like this huge list of stuff come through, I was like, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but I just put a big fat down payment on this. Yeah, and now like, like, I'm, oh, this just fell like, into my lap. This isn't, I wasn't some crazy investor seeking this out or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it was, it was a rocky, like, I mean, I kept the majority of the people. There was yeah. one person that left right away. But I kept the majority of the people for years, but then, and then including the old owner, which maybe we could touch on in the future, but that's like its own separate thing to unpack. Okay. But then eventually that owner took over my, the previous owner of the salon took over my building. And that is when um, they, that's when they like, doubled the rent and made mm. some like really big decisions Things got scary yeah yeah and so then I had to like really sit and think about that of like okay I could stay here mm-hmm. and potentially they could raise the rent however much more how often they'd like mm-hmm. which is completely their choice as, totally. as that business but I was already just barely scraping things yeah. by and I had all these visions and the stuff for the future because it had finally paid off everything. And so it was yeah. like, yay, like I can, I can finally put some things into action. Mm-hmm. And so it was either stay there and they could raise all the rent and do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I'd have to like piecemeal this business that I had invested my, my whole life into yeah. better and hope for the best, or I could risk a big move mm. and try to like upgrade the salon space and the team add more people all of that stuff and just see what was gonna how it was gonna play out yeah and so I I went to my parents because I'm an only child so like my parents are who I got Mm -hmm. Um, I went to them and I like basically said just that and then I reached out to a realtor and started seeing properties and then I found this property and it hadn't even been listed and he didn't have a key to show me inside wow. but I was like looking through the window and my whole body vibrated from top to bottom because I could see everything what like, year weird. was this this was 2017 okay so right before we connected okay mm-hmm. wow um, and so I could I could just picture everything and like not necessarily like a color scheme or anything but you because you know I'm not like the blush pink I'm more mm-hmm. like Mm-hmm. dark and like the cliff notes of that is that eventually he got the key I negotiated the terms of my lease like I presented them like a mini business plan because a business like mine had never been in a space like that before okay. 
And I got my accountants involved and they helped me find like angel investors. Okay. Um, and like I remember my, so my accountants were a husband wife team and the, the husband was like, so you're saying that if you build it, they will come because mm-hmm. I was going from like five, six station salon to like 10 stations plus two or three nail stations plus three treatment wow. rooms. It was massive. Wow. Um, and I was like, yes, question mark, because mm-hmm. like, what else could I do? Yeah. Like, so he ended up finding me investors and wow. I ended up before I even opened had five people approach me about wanting to leave their salon. Wow. Um, which feels kind of, it feels amazing that like word had gotten out and that people knew that I was building this space that, and these five women wanted to leave together and I was mm-hmm. bringing the rest of my team over. But it also feels gross from a salon owner standpoint that, that it's a, a walkout walk is painful time. and traumatic. You know, what's on the other side of that for someone you have empathy for that. Yeah. And that's, that's telling of who you are, but are those people still, that's still the team currently that you have, right? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I don't have a lot of turnover and the people who have left have either left because they had a baby or they moved towns mm-hmm. or have one gal that she was our waxer. Mm-hmm. And I helped her open up her own studio just because like she was at that level in her business. Yeah. And the girls still tease me at the salon and say that like they've never encountered a salon owner who like embraces people moving on like I do. Like, yeah. where, I mean, like not to like sock people into something, but like if someone, if a stylist says they want to leave, then all of a sudden it feels like. A, a switch is flicked in the salon owner and yeah, things yeah, yeah. in other places. Yep. Yeah. And like, I just, it's important to me to be able to sleep at night and I'm a stepping stone in a lot of people's totally like, careers and yeah. lives. And, stuff. and like, I just always want to keep that door open, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know. So all of that to say mm-hmm. that is how I ended up as a salon mm-hmm. owner with an 18 month old and a four and a half year old and how many square feet is your space i think the i don't remember like three thousand maybe that sounds big um real big wow and you've been in there for now how many years in april it will be six years wow amazing amazing So when you joined Soul Tribe, you were still very actively behind the chair. That is no longer the case. I guess, do you want to tell the journey of, and I I just love, obviously, you've heard my process. I know my process isn't everybody's, but I really do like to catch and find those similarities. I watched you have a big magic idea, and I watched you run full speed ahead with that big magic idea. Like I will never forget your, you know, the things on the walls, the things are happening. Like it is good, Richard time. Let's go. So share a little bit about like where, how you went from being actively working in the salon to how this idea came about and continue telling that story, please. Well, as a salon owner, I like, I just was always in a position, not that I like claimed to know all the things, but I was always in a position where the girls would come to me and ask for verbiage or they would ask for like tax advice or not that I would like, I mean, I guess it's because they come from a place of, of not understanding a whole lot about like the numbers and stuff like that. And I know just enough to be dangerous. Like I know Mm -hmm. the ones watch and I know, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. And I would say that I'm fairly conservative when it comes to like filing, like anyways. So 
and then social media and like snapping and I would I would always snap pictures like as I'm walking my client to the shampoo room I'm like snapping pictures of the girls and mm-hmm. stuff like that and we had like shared Dropbox folders and stuff so that if they ever wanted to use it and so like I had all these skills and I was like like what can I do with this like business really is like it took a step forward for me. Like I love doing hair, but it was starting to hurt my body Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I love the business and I love like playing even just the most smallest role in someone else's success or organization or whatever it is. But then COVID happened. And again, I was still like, you know, cheering people on and I was like sending links, like apply Mm -hmm. for this and you know, understanding like the loans and the PPP and the EIDLs and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So we had like a group chat and it was like, you went into like consultant mode during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, I know it wasn't my responsibility because my salon is booth rent, Mm -hmm. but like we are a team and we are a tribe and Mm -hmm. it was important to me to make sure they were okay as okay as they could be. So I still was doing that as my salon owner-ness, we even had, it was so cute. Oh, well, I think it's cute. Mm-hmm. I drove to every single girl's house with like bingo cards and Aww. like, and we had like a virtual bingo night just that's so that so we fun. could like, be together just to keep like morale up. Cause that's we did something crazy. like that in Soul Tribe. Do you remember that? It was maybe somebody's like baby shower. We all got together during COVID times and we did some like bingo or something like that. We were doing wild things during COVID. I, we were just trying to figure everything out. Yes. Well, and I think there's even something to say, like you saying, obviously you love being a little part in somebody's journey and obviously they're renters, so you don't have to do that. But it goes to show that like that brought you fulfillment where some people, I think the pandemic as a whole was just very telling to a lot of people. How would I like to be spending my time when all of a sudden you can't do your daily things that you were doing every day? You were lit up by consulting people, helping them in every way that you could. So I think that's just very telling too, that that's obviously your natural inkling. You weren't getting compensated for that. There was nothing, there was nothing, you could have just been just binge watching Netflix and that's how you could have spent your time, but you wanted to spend your time consulting and helping, helping people. So I think that it just uncovered a lot of hidden desires or interests in a lot of people when they had nothing but time to do whatever they wanted because I was the same I mean sure we watched our fair share of Tiger King but like I tripled quadrupled down on Soul Tribe during COVID times that's how I spent my time it's how I wanted to spend my time so I think that's very telling as well I think too it's funny that you brought Tiger King up because so many (laughs) clients and friends and stuff were like oh my gosh you have to watch Tiger King to this day I'm like, first of all, don't tell me what to do. And (laughs) second of all, like, I, I just don't do great. Like, it's not my first pick to get like those har, 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 like Uh type stuff. And so to this day, I haven't watched Tiger King. It's really fucking good, Courtney. You should. (laughs) I I think more recently someone else has brought it up and then I saw it somewhere and I was like, oh, and it was like, fight the urge. Like, oh, that's so funny. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on, but that's I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so COVID exposed to you that you were really enjoying helping people in all capacities, but you found a lot of social media conversations were happening at that time, right? 
Yeah. And I helped a couple of the girls like spruce up or start building their websites and stuff like that. And these girls, we finally had like the time and capacity to work on these things and like all of that. So that is like a lot of what we did. But, and then we got to go back to work and it was like, it was kind of like a mom and I'm a diehard mama bear. Like, do Mm -hmm. not come at my people or my kids. I will come for you. But like, we finally got back to work and like all my babes were like, cruising and they were you know mm. things were right with the world go again. time yep yeah and like same for me like I hit the ground running and and then it was like I don't want to get like to anything but after a while the conversation started shifting to like vaccinations and your responsibility mm-hmm. and stuff like that and I it was a weird time to just be a human anywhere so weird and so I almost developed like this tick about it and I had like this letter board in my room and was like if you talk about this this and this there will be an additional fee of an undisclosed amount like talk at your own risk but because I'm like done because it was Um, so mentally exhausting I mean there there was an endless list of things that everyone was divided on and I think that was a you know universal you know in our industry that was a hard time it's been a long time since I've even thought about that that was a hard time there was so many things happening and yeah a lot of people left the industry during that time because it got really fucking hard so you put down some some laws you put down some boundaries keep going from there and then usually if I'm feeling like restless and because that happens a lot for me because I'm basically feral but I was like okay we need a road trip like fast driving fast seeing new things and usually I can like that's like grounding to me and Mm -hmm. I can like reset and go back into the salon and just it is what it is so I took my kids on a big long road trip we saw like eight or nine more states and then Mm -hmm. I came back and it was like instantaneously back in that shithole mentality of just like ugh, and then and then I decided like that well I guess when I was talking to some of the other gals like it really started to like click for me that I did have this set of skills and like how could I apply this and and how could I reach more people because some things just really aren't that complicated Mm -hmm. and like how could I do this and then there was one gal at my salon who like wanted to use all the skills that I had like whether that's like creating graphics or whether Mm -hmm. it's like posting social media or whatever it is. And I was like, shit, I could like really do this. I could be a virtual assistant. That's like how the idea dropped in as was a virtual assistant. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so then I also was like, well, I can't do this on top of behind the chair and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I was done with my clients. Like I just, and not even them specifically, I just was done with peopling. You like, just I, wanted to be able to just be on your computer and not listen to people in the shit yeah. that they have to say. Yeah, it got to that For point. sure. And so I decided that I wasn't going to be behind the chair anymore. I had a nice nest egg in my bank accounts. And like, I was like, I need to take a step away. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> anyone who knows me knows that I love dick. she loves dick that's what Courtney said if you can't tell by the crocheted dicks behind her on her desk (laughs) yeah and I think like I mean I love dick for all the reasons that I love it but like I it's funny it's like disarming to people like it's it's just you just 
I mean, how many people have you come across that like openly like talk about their love of dick? Like, I don't know. So I decided to definitely your stick. Remember a while ago too, like we when we have talked about social media in our soul tribe calls and stuff, I was like, I really want to have like a little segment that's like good morning, Richard, because Mm -hmm. like it's about conscious decision of like having a good day or a bad day, but also I could be like cheeky and inappropriate. Like I am. Yeah. Like that loving dick and then bringing in that good morning, Richard thing was like how Uh good Richard was decided upon. And then it's gone through some like identity crises. Mm-hmm. I feel like just because I don't know. I mean, like any new start- idea being brought to life goes through that. Yeah, I mean, you were birthing this stick. You were you were bringing this to life. You were creating it, and you didn't know exactly what it looked like. But one thing I will just say from the outside looking in that has rung true and has never changed is. While I know it's your cheekiness, it's your quirk, it's a strong-ass brand. You know Richard very well. We don't know who he is yet, exactly what he's doing yet, but, like, the brand is there, the vision is there, and you have that so well. Yeah. I mean, the the main thing that I have leaned into for this last year and a half-ish is brand recognition, because, like, I haven't mm-hmm. posted anything on social media being like a social media manager this whole time until like last week. And I had yeah. followers on TikTok and Instagram that were just like, I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna wait and see. Huh? <laughs> and so I don't know. I mean, like I could make Good Richard be anything at this point. And I think yeah. that people would want it just because it's Good Richard. It's it's wow. very the hook is there. It is I it's attention grabbing absolutely. So Good Richard started as an idea of virtual assistants for hair for hairstylists and other just small business owners. Courtney, as I said, has an incredible knack for copywriting and not just in her voice because she does a lot of soul tribe members social media now and you don't know when it's courtney and when it's not so like i want to say not only are you good at your own copywriting but like you can turn that voice into different voices i think you have a very good talent for that so you've been doing that for a while now she's been away from behind the chair she still owns the salon obviously she's been working one-on-one with clients and lately the new vision the new baby idea is more of a subscription-based model. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, so I have loved working like one-on-one with the clients that I do have. And it's been so fun and like challenging to figure out what the specialties are and figure out who their target client is and like mathing that together basically and, and honoring who they are as stylists and 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 trying to encapsulate their voice um but and then i have like i create like canva graphics and like email stuff and get them set up on automations and sequences and and stuff like that and there is a considerable amount of coaching like for even the most simple things which i guess like Elizabeth Cox said it once, mm-hmm. like in one of our Soul Tribe meetings, was like, you have to meet people where they are. And I still think about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, so it's in the last like six months, nine months or so, I have been like super aware of what people don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And just bad on me for bad on anybody, but like for just assuming that for mm-hmm. everything that's out there that you know it too, kind of thing. Yeah. So 
I have, my hope is that I know that like, just like hairstylists, social media managers are like a dime a dozen mm -hmm. and I'm not reinventing any sort of wheel by having a subscription, but I am niching down to just our industry, mm -hmm. specifically hairstylists, but I have massage therapists, waxers, like, mm -hmm. um, wedding people, photographers, and I think even like a makeup person, yeah. but like beauty-ish in general. Beauty industry, yeah. Yeah. Service-based beauty industry, yeah. Yeah. So like if you find any other subscription, it's super great because, you know, they're they're including the hook. They're including the, the, the bones of whatever is going to promote or inspire someone to come see you or whatever. And then the call to action and stuff. But when you are getting those captions, they're for coffee shop owners and they're mm -hmm. for photographers and there's there's still so much editing and like trying to pull something together to mm -hmm. make it apply to our business that mm -hmm. it is still just overwhelming and frustrating mm -hmm. and all of that. So And also typically very bland and very generic, which is the yeah. opposite of everything you embody. <laughs> so yeah, yes. that is true. Yes. So my hope is that like I mean, there, there aren't that many things you can specialize in as a hairstylist. So I have spent the last year and a half or whatever pretending to be the specialist of all of those things. Yeah, you've learned a lot. And there is not that huge range on target client either. And so I guess the subscription basically is your month of content that specifically speaks to your specialty mm -hmm. in hopes of dialing down your target client. And then as you receive that, that you put any personal touches on it that you need to, but those personal touches should take like less than 60 seconds, seconds. Yeah. to to do. I also um, want to zoom in on this a little bit because I feel like you did kind of just jump over it. You say like there's not that many specialties and there's not that many range of target markets, but like I don't think you're giving yourself credit for that because even, okay, so like give me an example of all the specialties that right now you can think of that Good Richard will be offering. I mean, there's there's bridal, there's extensions, there's blonding, there's great coverage, there's vivids, there's long hair, slash layers, there's short hair and precision, and then everything else. Curls. Oh, curls. Yep. Mm -hmm. Don't forget about the curls. And then, I mean, like, there are other ones. I don't specifically do them if I am not currently offering them. Like, like Haley is a good example with her mm. gender-affirming haircut. Yep. So, if I'm not currently offering it, I, I would gladly open the adding categories later. Okay. But I, yeah. let me continue there. You said there's not many, that's eight specialties alone. And I just want to say what Courtney is doing just cause I see it. And I, I know somebody who has no idea what we're talking about, no idea who you are. Like they'll think, oh, you know, book your extension appointment today. Like, no, Courtney has learned a lot about these specialties. So the people that you are doing work for right now that I'm reading their content, 
she is genuinely educating, inspiring your clients around that specialty. So it's not just like a very quick, simple blurb. You are doing long, in-depth content that is like really educating these stylist followers very much from their tone of voice because you found out a really cool, and it's going to be interesting, obviously, to see how this plays into the subscription, but she's been so one-on-one with people. You have a really cool way of figuring out somebody's voice and only because I have been on you know one-on-one calls with Courtney and she's shared her screen and showed me the madness that is happening behind the scenes like you I just wanted to make sure you weren't just like brushing over that of like oh I'm going to provide you some social media content I don't Trello I don't even know what all softwares you're using but she was showing me this tab leads to this tab like there is so much information in there so I just really want to like give you credit in that that the copywriting that you're doing the social media planning everything that you're doing is not just a simple basic caption like the people that are working with you right now are getting high 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 quality content so I just had to say that well, thanks. Because there welcome. still is like, I just felt like I sound like a news anchor. Like, and back to you. <laughs> I I still feel sometimes not, I mean, because I know what, what I'm doing. Like, I feel like rock solid. Like, I mean, like, I'm a great writer, but like, when you read my bio, I was like, dang, girl. Yeah, it comes um, out well. Yeah. But like, there's still periods of time where I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, you, like, you had a successful career behind mm. the chair and you walked. Does that mean you're washed up? Like, I don't know. Like, mm. you have a successful salon. Like, like, why don't you stay in your lane and like do the things that you have done well? Like, who, like, and thank so you for I- even saying that though, because out- outside of even like what Good Richard is, let's just talk about anybody experiencing any big magic, any wanting to go another direction, feeling burnt out, bored, unfulfilled, curious, whatever it is that starts to bring them somewhere else. Cause I think I attract stylists like that. I was that I am that I will always be that. Like I'm always just following one curiosity after another and I can't stay still for too long. Like even you just saying like, you know, I deal with serious imposter syndrome. I feel really uncomfortable with this too. And it is hard. This is your first podcast you've been on. It is hard to sometimes talk about it, but I see from the outside looking in people that have been working with you for a long time. And I can tell you to rest assured that you are exact doing exactly what you are called to be doing right now. That's so exciting. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt in my mind about that. <laughs> it's super exciting because I don't know. I mean, like in our soul tribe calls like I get super pumped about it and then I like pull back because like Mm -hmm. more than anything like it was super exciting to show you the behind the scenes stuff because that is what has I feel like has paralyzed me for a long time just making Mm -hmm. sure that it's functional and that it's organized to someone who is not me and Mm -hmm. not that they're going to be dabbling back there but like totally I'm not always present to a glitch or something like that and so I don't know I just we're perfectionists in our own ways for all this is what comes along with again just even the other side of it before launching anything this wave of like i must be prepared for anything that could ever go wrong and there (laughs) you would never hit a point where you feel prepared enough for that and still pushing forward like that's a, a lesson to be learned for anybody no matter what it is that they're working on so i get that and we do everything we can but eventually kind of just gotta click the button and it's go time you know so i've been telling you that 
always and and you definitely take action and then and then we all have ebbs and flows of when that happens so sorry if i'm putting you on the spot but like when do you think we can expect this if a stylist is listening to this and they're like hell yeah i could uh you know outsource my social media content what can people expect i mean i for my most comfortable i would probably like to launch like the first part of march like okay. have people they could reach out from now until the end of March and mm-hmm. just get like waitlisted or like get yep. more information or whatever that is because I am set up to do that and I'm mm-hmm. more than willing to like have conversations and stuff. But I would say March 1st at the very latest just because yeah. I just will feel much better. Totally fair. Like totally that. fair. So the lesson in this is if somebody's listening and they're drawn to this, this isn't a perfected system yet. And I know that there's something really valuable in finding somebody in the early stages and being one of their founding members. You get the best experience. I mean, you're nearly a founding member of Stylus Soul Tribe. You've been in since it was nothing like it is today. So if anybody's listening to this, a simple conversation with Courtney would be good. And maybe we could put together a little waitlist form that can go in the show notes of this. How about that? Yeah. If I could add anything to the Good Richard like experience mm-hmm. too. I guess because I think I had like touched on it before, but like social media managers are just like hair stylists in the sense that ultimately we're a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I happen to have the experience, like 20 years experience as a salon owner and a hairstylist and stuff like that. But my whole, like me as Courtney slash Richard, and then as good Richard, like, I don't know how to show up as anything other than one of those. And Mm -hmm. so, and that is a mark that I feel like for all the education and all the Instagram people that we follow and all the courses that we take and, and all the things that we see about social media and how to manage yours and plan your content and your strategy and all of that. And you could write 30 captions in two hours and, and all that's all good and well. I don't believe that you can do that. I mean, some people can. I can't mm-hmm. even do that. Mm-hmm. But the, the part that people are missing constantly is the vulnerability and the authenticity. Mm-hmm. Because even when you're trying to show up like that, it still is sounding very, I don't want to say, for lack of a better word, like robotic and just mm-hmm. like checking boxes. And, mm-hmm. you know, hairstylists are great usually about taking a thousand pictures of hair, but they're missing the shampoo experience. They're missing the waiting room experience. They're missing them. Mm-hmm. And that is huge. Like, because we're a dime a dozen, like, why would somebody come see you for hair extensions and blonding? Mm-hmm. when they don't know anything about you like mm-hmm. and I guess too like hooks are great because people will read the body of the stuff is great because that's how you educate but the calls to action don't have to be like double tap you know or heart this if you agree yeah. or something. it can be like are you a reality tv junkie too like mm-hmm. just like, conversational yeah. And like, I know Courtney was nervous to record this podcast episode, so she hasn't listened to a whole bunch. So I know you haven't heard a ton of the previous episodes, but it's come up so many times in conversation that we're all feeling like every time we get on Instagram right now, it is a regurgitated version again and again and again. And like I could literally click Instagram right now, open up and read the first caption. I've kind of curated my algorithm a little bit, but like 
almost guaranteed whatever the first thing that pops up is going to feel like a regurgitated version 10 times passed down from the same basic ass class that everyone took at the same time that started doing the exact same thing and it's just so no wonder everyone's engagement is low we're all so bored being on there and you do add that spice you do add that flair it doesn't have to just be the same boring thing we've been taught for so long yeah I think that simplifying and I think, I guess, just putting yourself in the position of pretending like you're talking to the clients that you're already seeing, Mm -hmm. like you can't go wrong with that. Like, Mm -hmm. and eventually, like, I mean, you shouldn't be posting for likes and stuff like that. Anyways, you should, whether people are, are interacting with your stuff, like there's an awareness that is happening, whether you're aware of it or not. Yeah. Like you will always stand out if you're like, hey, I'm Courtney. I've sense of humor of a 14-year-old boy. Like that's jarring. Here I am crocheting dicks. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing too, is like that's Courtney's spiel and like her like uniqueness. But we all have that. And I think you're really good at helping people find that too. And it can be I- authentic. And when you just said that, Courtney, the authenticity versus plus vulnerability, it literally brought me back. I remember the day I was walking up by my kid's school. I was on a walk. You sent me a polo. Like it was like a big time check in. Like Lisa, I've been gone for a while. I'm coming back. Like I, here's where my brain's been lately. I love when I get those like random finally catch up from you and I remember you saying that authenticity plus vulnerability and I remember came and coming back and being like that's the secret sauce like that stuck with me and just when you said it right now like is that's like one of good Richard's like core values it brought me right back to that conversation I can tell you where I was on that Marco Polo I don't remember how long ago it was but yeah I I love sticking with that yeah you are you really are so I'm glad that you brought that up again because that's that's real and that is the words that I think of with what you're doing with what good Richard is authenticity and vulnerability absolutely yeah like because you don't have to be salesy to be successful and have a gajillion followers like followers don't matter anyways Mm -hmm. so I don't know So I guess like I'm the exact opposite of what traditional social media managers offer and do and preach. And there's still a huge element of education just for my people. But, you know, like even just as simple as like how stories work or what should go in stories, which is a regurgitation of anything else. But like if people don't know it. Totally. And also, too, it has to do with, like, the voice, right? Like, something resonates from someone that didn't from another. So, but always I will, like, the core of Good Richard is vulnerability and authenticity and keeping it simple. Like, so Mm -hmm. simple. Like, Mm -hmm. who cares? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's my TED Talk. Thanks for coming. I love it. I've loved your TED talk. I think that's amazing. I'm glad you chimed in with those final things. So I I haven't even, I really strayed from the talking points. I guess I knew that. So I had overview of your story, your transition from the salon, bringing back big magic to life and the solutions that Good Richard provides. So those are the things that I wanted to go over. I feel like we've kind of touched them. Do you have any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to share before we go ahead and wrap up? I don't think so. I don't. We did, it. We did great. We did great. It's so good. <laughs> Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you, Courtney. This was a joy. Thank you everybody for listening and I will talk to you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stylist Soul Tribe Conversations. Before we wrap up, I've got some exciting news to share. My brand new course, Mindset to Magic, is finally here. This isn't just any course. It's a proven roadmap for transformation 
combining personal development with explosive business growth. Through the seven transformative pillars from embracing an abundance mindset to unlocking big magic in your life, we'll journey together towards your wildest dreams. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you are going to love this course. Click the link in the show notes and I cannot wait to welcome you into Mindset to Magic.